Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're tuned into an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Brian Scott Rippey, David Johnson, both coming up here shortly. Before we get to it, let me tell you about my bookie. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code TOC, TOC, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, I don't care what you say. It does not matter to me. As long as you leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Rippey, I don't know what he's doing. It sounds like he's making muffins or something. Hey, buddy. What's up? Is there something in the background going on? Yeah, it sounds like you're making dinner or something. No, I'm sitting at my desk. My AC unit's kind of loud. That might be it. Yeah, maybe. We'll venture on over to the other room. How you doing? Pretty good, dude. Just uh, chugging along throughout the week. We're getting, uh, we had real football on last weekend. It was uh, normal enough, I guess you would describe it. I don't know what, what you would call it, but it was interesting. Like It was cool to see like actual pro- like name brand programs on the television again. I thought that the NFL got off without a hitch pretty well, too. So, hey, football is back. 
and Ole Miss football is coming back September 26th. We're still headed that way. Starting to get some positive Ole Miss vibes going. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is David Johnson back after a two-month hiatus on this podcast because it's not his podcast anymore. He used to do it with me. Now it's me and Rippy. He's going to be starting back up his own podcast again once his voice gets strong enough. But his voice was strong enough to do a recruit check because I have no idea what's going on with Ole Miss football recruiting. So we got together early Monday morning and we knocked it out. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's not a very rosy picture. But it's a realistic picture, and if you want to understand what's really going on with Ole Miss football recruiting right now, well, David's going to lay it out to you. You might at the end of it want to take a midday drink if you're listening to this podcast in the morning or at lunch. But other than that, it's good stuff, and David's coming up on the Modern Woman phone line here shortly. But we mentioned some good news. The NCAA has cleared an Ole Miss defensive back. No, it's not Otis Reese. But Dean Leonard has been cleared. He's good to go, according to the NCAA. The catch being, of course, that the SEC has to rubber stamp it now. But usually, the SEC goes with the NCAA. Dean Leonard is going to be playing against Florida September 26th. And if he does, could he start? I'd feel safer if it were Reese, right? Just because Kiffin has made that pretty blunt. I don't know if he'll start September 26th, but it would it shock me if he was starting whoever they play third, I don't even remember the schedule now off the top of my head, but like three, four weeks into this thing, no, because you still have got some guys that are young and not that proven, and then Jalen Jones is kind of is what he is at this point. Like, it wouldn't completely stun me. Starting week one would be surprising. Right now, the starting cornerbacks are Keydron Smith and Jamar Richardson. Jalen Jones is a starting safety. You could factor in Otis Reese. If he were cleared, he'd be starting right beside Jalen Jones. Otherwise, it's A.J. Finley, maybe some Jay Stanley. John Haynes still has to get healthy. He was one of the COVID cases, and I think he got a little banged up too. John Haynes can't catch a break. He's the guy we seemingly talk about every podcast when we're trying to break down who's going to be impact players for the defense. And even if you want to go even further than that and say, who are some NFL prospects on this roster? Well, John Haynes is an obvious one. And yet John Haynes, it feels like he's never around enough for us to break him down. I did ask the question of Lane Kiffin on Monday. With Brian Scott Rippey in mind, where's Luke Knox? He didn't give much of an answer, only to say that he's been one of those that have been out for a long time. He wouldn't specify whether that was injury or COVID. I've heard injury, but I don't know what the injury is. Regardless, that's what's up with Luke Knox. So there you go, your boy. Got the answer. Kind of the if it's an injury, it's kind of the same deal as last year, where it hampered him for part of camp, and then he kind of came back on out of nowhere. But it doesn't that sound more injury than COVID? He's been out for a while. That's what I've heard is injury. It's not COVID. But if it is injury, you're never going to hear that come out of the mouth of Lane Kiffin. He's just like Saban in that respect. He doesn't divulge injury information. He's not forthcoming like Matt Luke was. He's not forthcoming like Hugh Freeze was. Hugh Freeze, remember that time? I don't know if you were on the beat at that point, but. There's this time he comes in, and before his press conference, he said, look, guys, from now on, I'm not going to talk about injuries or what the injuries are. I'll tell you who's out, but I won't tell you what's happening. Two questions in asked about a particular player who was out, and then Freeze just lays it out there. <laughs> oh, he's got this. You know, he's banged up. He tours, blah, 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 blah. Gives all the medical information out. So in, I don't know, a matter of two, three minutes, Hugh Freeze goes back completely on what he just said. That's not going to happen with Lane Kiffin. He's not going to tell you what's going on injury-wise. COVID, he's been pretty transparent. And there's some good news, too, about Ole Miss's cases of COVID. 
for the first time all camp, zero positive cases. That is a big step. And I know that was something they were pretty worried about, particularly in the last 10 to 14 days, right? I mean, Kevin went on Pat McAfee's deal and said that they probably, probably couldn't play today. And I say couldn't. They probably wouldn't be ready to play or something like that if the season were to start in the next week. So it sounds like they're rounding back into health, which I guess if there's good timing for that, this seems like a better time, better time than any, because what you're two weekends away from this weekend or two weekends, no, two weekends away from last weekend. Yeah. Right. You've got this weekend, then it starts. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of coming at the perfect time. Now you got to maintain that. And, but yeah, I mean, it's better than, than having, you know, still dealing with this, you know, two weeks from now. To be getting healthy now is important. To be getting Dean Leonard now is important. The one we all are waiting on is Otis Reese. I asked the question about Dean Leonard, could he start? I think he could start. I think he's got the talent to start. But he was a late arrival. He didn't get here till the summer. So that would hamper him. But I'm on the same kind of train as you are. By week three against Alabama, could I see if Jamar Richardson isn't holding up as a starting cornerback, Dean Leonard stepping in there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Regardless, he's going to be in the rotation day one. He's got talent. And I think a really important point that Lane Kiffin made last week was that Dean Leonard, in their short time with him, has flashed to be better than they even expected him to be. He called him an NFL-type player, and that's pretty high praise. Lane Kiffin just doesn't hand out those type of compliments to players. Not to say that he's dogging them or anything. He's just not going to volunteer that. You're only going to get the information that he wants you to have. He'll give you the information he wants you to have. So if he comes out and says, Dean Leonard is an NFL-type player, you got to listen to him. Because Lane Kiffin is not a man of that many words. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good way to sum it up. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty high praise for someone that, you know, from our vantage point, you haven't seen much of really, if at all. So that was kind of where I was leaning in the sense that, yeah, week three, it would, it would make some sense because he's an NFL-caliber player. How many NFL-caliber players does Ole Miss have in the secondary? Two? Two. What is Jalen Jones? I don't know. Here's the thing with Otis Reese. He was called by Lane Kiffin one of the very best players on the roster. That's great. He didn't do much of anything at Georgia. So really, what does that say about Ole Miss? Because the talent's always been there. He was a highly recruited kid. I think he was a top 100 kid. Don't quote me on that because I'm probably wrong. Maybe he just needed a change of scenery, but that he steps on campus and Lane Kiffin, being the new coach, gets his eyes on him as well as the rest of the returning talent and says, that's one of our very best players. I don't know how to take that. The way Georgia's been recruiting at the level they've been recruiting at for, you know, ever since Kirby got there, essentially, but it, it definitely after his first year, I just think it's a depth thing. I mean, the kid, in terms of where he was rated recruiting-wise, well, he played in quite a few games at Georgia in the short time he was there. Didn't start a lot. To your point, didn't do a whole lot. I would honestly put more stock into him being a good player than that being more of an indictment on Ole Miss because there is a much different uh, caliber of recruiting going on at the two places. So I don't know. I've always thought Ole Miss could use him from the time he came over, despite his limited results there. What else do we learn on Monday from talking to Lane Kiffin? Defensive line-wise, it's still somewhat of a mystery, I guess. Um, Sam Williams obviously helps you, but they're rotating a lot of different guys. Demond Clowney, here's some news for you. He's been out for a while. I think he's a COVID case. But DeMond Clowney was an early fall camp star, like Brandon Mack. You had not heard a lot from Brandon Mack lately. As we approach Florida, September 26th, we really don't know what they're going to do. They could line up in any number of ways, and it wouldn't be surprising at all. 
Yeah, I would be. I'm interested to see what that looks like in particular because I kind of think you generally know what every other position on the defense is going to at least look like when they take the field. But like, how are they able to kind of manufacture some sort of pressure on the opposing quarterback? What does Sam Williams look like? What kind of shape is he in by September 26th? I uh, the defensive line is definitely the most interesting piece. It's probably the most important one in terms of just kind of gauging the defense's success in 2020. But yeah, your guess is as good as mine as to what it looks like two Saturdays from now. Yeah, I have no clue. What's so interesting about it is seemingly every week you hear a new name, a new guy that is performing for the defensive line. One week it's Brandon Mack. The next week, Ladarius Cox. Well, today, as we're recording this on a Monday, today... Lane Kiffin brings up Cedric Johnson. DeMond Clowney, like I mentioned, he's been out, I think, with COVID. Again, Lane Kiffin's not one of those that's going to divulge that type of information. Most of the time, he's been pretty open about COVID stuff, but he hasn't really identified particular players. He said, okay, we've got this many players out, but he won't tell you who the players are. You kind of have to pick and choose. I found out about John Haynes. I found out about a few others, and A.J. Finley admitted he was a COVID case. So I'm just assuming that DeMond Clowney is a COVID dude. Assuming that, Cedric Johnson then has stepped in where Brandon Mack, where DeMond and Clowney were playing before Sam Williams came back, and apparently he's doing some pretty good things. Actually, Lane Kiffin said he's been one of the most impressive true freshmen. Where did that come from? <laughs> There's a new name for you, Cedric Johnson. Didn't have much of a recruiting pedigree. He was a three-star prospect. Not that that means anything. Another guy. And that's what's so intriguing about the defensive line is that it could be any number of rotations that they run out there and none of them would be surprising against Florida. K.D. Hill, he was a name we haven't heard much the entire camp. And then today, we talked to Jalen Cunningham, and that's the first dude he brings up, talking about how when K.D. Hill gets low, that big body, he's really powerful. What are the known commodities on the defensive line? I think there are two. T. Tisdale and Sam Williams. Sam Williams, of course, just got back after being suspended indefinitely due to that sexual battery charge. T. Tisdale wasn't a starter last year, though he appeared in every single game. For that to be your two known commodities, and then everything else to be a mixed bag of sorts, it's concerning. It's probably what you should have expected, though, right, out of this defensive line at this point. Yeah, I guess the argument there is is whether you consider Ryder Anderson a known commodity or not. And oh, I you know where know. I stand on that. Just, yeah, I just don't think, I mean, particularly with him sliding inside, is he still playing inside? I mean, that was the whole deal yeah, last really? time that I checked. I don't know. See, because, again, they've said, talking about the other defensive end, he said you got Tisdale and Ryder, and we've been moving those guys inside some. I don't think he's giving away anything, but I don't think Ryder is necessarily just being a starting defensive tackle. I think he's playing in certain formations, as Lane Kiffin kind of alluded to there. So, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, but I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing for him. Who's your known commodity at defensive tackle? You don't have one. Now, in a perfect world... Ryder Anderson would have stepped in at defensive tackle and been awesome, but we all kind of expected that not to happen. I don't know who the defensive tackles are. I think Ole Miss will be fine at defensive end. I think they'll be fine. I just don't know who your defensive tackles are. If you had made me guess last week, I'd have said Ladarius Cox and somebody, but it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing right now. But I will say it is nice to be seeing developments, new developments, pushing stories forward as we get closer to Florida because now it feels real. And just to be getting to the point where it feels real, I think, is a really cool step. It's one of those things like I'm not going to count Ole Miss playing football this year until it actually happens because it was so bad for so long and it was trending in the wrong direction for so long. I don't want to get my hopes up for it just to see a return to normalcy in football. 
only because if, God forbid, something happens at the last minute, everybody will be disappointed. But right now, everything's trending right. And once you see new developments like we did today with Lane Kiffin and talking about the team and how it's setting up for Florida, we're getting football. We're getting football. So, hey, man, let's celebrate it. We're getting football. And we saw football this weekend. We saw Florida State do a Florida State and lose. They've now lost four straight season openers. That's quite the statistic. And whether Florida State turns out to be any good or not, that's a pretty solid win for Jeff Collins in his first real oh, yeah. year after the whole triple option deal. Because you could you really count much last year. But, yeah, I guess reeling it back into Ole Miss, it does starting to feel real. The defensive line thing, you know, it's interesting, though. You talk about Sam Williams getting double teamed every time. Is he polished enough to be able to equip to handle that? Because you got to remember, he's played major college football for one year, and all the everything I got asked for last year is like, yeah, physically, like he could go to the NFL right now, but he needs to come back, like no matter what, and mature in a lot of areas. And I just wonder if he's the the guy that they double team every time. Is he, I guess, polished, experienced, whatever you want to call it, enough to still be productive even through that? That'll be kind of fascinating to watch. Here's my thing with Sam Williams: I had such low expectations for him coming in. And it was no fault of his. I talked to a number of coaches, most of them opposing coaches of Sam Williams, who were mad that Ole Miss wasn't recruiting their players and had committed and ultimately signed Sam Williams, saying he's not as good as this guy, this guy, this guy on my roster. So even though he's a four-star prospect, and even though 247 was very high on him, my opinion of him was based completely on what everybody else was saying. So I didn't know really what to expect from him. Like, they're very valued evaluators in the junior college ranks. So I expected Sam Williams to come in and maybe be a little bit of a disappointment, and he surpassed all of my expectations, but those expectations were so low. So I don't know if I can really answer that question because, for me, he was a superstar last year. He doesn't get banged up at all. I'm not sure if Sam Williams isn't an all-league guy. You just can't be, if you're Sam Williams, if you're T. Tisdale, you can't be the two known commodities on this defense and be single-man blocked on a regular basis. You have to be able to open it up for other guys. And if you can't, that's where you're failing. Agree. And I guess you'll kind of find out September 26th because they're playing kind of the prototypical quarterback of like, yeah, if you get after him, you can kind of get up, fluster him a little bit. But if you don't, you'll make him look a lot better than he is in Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask is an interesting case of good for him, I want to say Ole Miss can do something against him, and then he comes in and he's just super accurate and shreds him. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's like a little bit of a Kellen Mond vibe, though. I think he's probably better than Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond is never going to be anything to me. Well, I mean, he's running out of years of eligibility to be yeah, anything. I mean, he's got to yeah. be a senior at this point, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Here's something for you. Sportsline.com updated its odds as to who would win the 2020 Heisman Trophy. And it included Kellen Mond who started the year unranked, but now has plus 1,800 odds after week two of the college football season. And it's probably a product of a couple of the Big Ten guys potentially not playing, right? Which now does not look like they might be playing. But that's like Justin Fields and maybe one or two other dudes taken out of the equation. You just got to throw someone in there, I guess. I guess. But I would take Kyle Trask, Mac Jones from Alabama. George's Jamie Newman would have been up there for me, but of course he opted for the NFL draft because JT Daniels got cleared, even though Otis Reese has been waiting since December. JT Daniels, he transferred in April and heard in June, and he's good to go. So maybe JT Daniels is thrown in there. I would never, ever put my money on Kellen Mond. Even if it's only 20 bucks and it's a good payout, you might as well just use that 20 bucks to wipe your butt because it's Kellen Mond. Kyle Trask is a far better quarterback than Kellen Mond is what I'm saying. And while he doesn't have the elite arm strength. Matt Corral has better arm strength, far better arm strength than Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask is accurate. And that's what's going to drive you crazy on September 26th. Potentially is death by a thousand cuts. 
Because I think this Florida offense does have big playability and will get some big plays off on Ole Miss because in every single practice, seemingly, Ole Miss defensively has given up big plays to the Ole Miss offense. And there are question marks, even though we like the Ole Miss offense, there are question marks about the Ole Miss offense. So Kyle Trask is going to get a big play here there. There's going to be a bust. But it's going to be, for the most part, death by a thousand cuts. And he's not much of a runner, even though with Dan Mullen, you always expect the quarterback to run the ball. That quarterback power is going to happen. But you can stop that far better than you can stop an accurate passer. And Kyle Trask is an accurate passer. So that's concerning. This whole matchup, people want to say that Ole Miss can clip Florida. I I just don't know if I buy it at all. I just don't see it. Last I looked, it was, what, 10 and a half? That's about right. I would agree because you're talking about, what, probably a three-ish score in the 17-18 range if it's in Gainesville in normal situation. So, yeah, I think that's probably spot on. And I'd probably lean towards Florida, to be honest. What's the thing you're most looking forward to as far as what you want to see from Ole Miss in game one? What's the thing that is most intriguing about this team to you? Outside of the obvious, which is Lane Kiffin's the head coach, Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Can they throw the ball? Because it's not like, and I, I know that sounds simplistic, but what does the passing game look like? Like, are they going to be able to throw the ball with any sort of consistency down the field against a pretty good secondary and a pretty good defense in Florida? Like, it's not like you're warming up in the season at all. And, like, last year's scheme, as we've said a thousand times, was just so atrocious. I don't really know what you make of the receivers or really either quarterback's development. Can these dudes make decisions? And, like, can Macarell or whoever it is, make the sound decisions and then can they complete throws and catches on a consistent basis that's the most thing i'm most fascinated with heading into week one matt Krause starts against florida which i think at this point is inevitable mississippi state mike leach just moved garrett schrader to slot receiver we've said all along john rice Plumley is going to compete for the starting quarterback job until he's told you're not the guy the question is if matt Krause's the guy and John Rice has lost the quarterback battle. Do you move him? When do you move him? That's my most interesting thing. His best chance at doing anything athletically for money, and I don't like me to sound condescending, yeah. is somewhere on a football field, is it not? Yes, and that's why we've kept bringing up the quarterback battle, especially as it's trended toward Matt Corral, because John Rice Plumley would have options if he decided to sit and transfer if he did come to the realization that baseball is probably not his future, but if he's hell-bent on playing both sports, where else are you going to get that opportunity? Now, if you think you can get paid-paid as a quarterback, you would have options. You could go to Auburn. You could go to Florida. There, there are a number of different places that would take you. But if you want to play both sports, if that's what you value, then Ole Miss is that opportunity outside of dropping down a level. But if you didn't want to drop down a level and you wanted to stay at Ole Miss, well, if Matt Crow wins this job and every indication is he's going to be the starter, and as long as he performs, he'll be the starter, then you have to move. And Garrett Schrader just got moved to slot receiver. And I think John Rice Plumley is more athletic than Garrett Schrader. I think that John Rice Plumley could have a real impact defensively. That's what every other school recruited him as. I don't want to keep rehashing the same points over and over and over. But you know what I'm saying. You know exactly what I'm talking about here. If you're John Rice Plumley, I'm with Rippy. Where are you going to get paid? Neither of us think that you're going to get paid baseball-wise. But if you want to be a baseball player, awesome, man. Do you the best opportunity to not only play both sports, but play for a uh, baseball program that's among the best in the country and compete for a national championship? Well, that's, that's an old mess. But if Matt Crow is a quarterback, you're not going to be the quarterback. That dream dies as long as he plays well. 
So what are you going to do? Are you willing then to move off of, I'm only a quarterback? If you're willing to move off of that, then that for me is without a doubt the most intriguing thing about Ole Miss the first couple of weeks. Where is John Rice Plumley? Where are you lined up? Where are you playing? Is there even a two-quarterback system? Does Lane Kiffin even want to have that? Because we have no indication that he even wants to have that, wants to even entertain the possibility of running out two quarterbacks. Now, this is a free shot. We've talked about that on this podcast already. And they can just experiment. Same thing with the quarterback battle or the quarterback position in general. They can experiment all they want. But I think Matt Corral fits the archetype of what Lane Kiffin wants. And if John Rice hasn't been all that accurate passing-wise, that ain't going to cut it. You willing to move? Because this is the best situation baseball-wise for you if that's what you value. But if you value just being a quarterback and you're willing to sacrifice everything else, well, you're going to have options. Agreed. I think his best chance is getting the ball in space somewhere, whether that's some kind of like hybrid scat thing or in the slot if he can catch passes. Uh, I think that's where he's most explosive. But whether he's willing to do that, I guess, remains to be seen. Yeah, no idea. But like I've said before, Ole Miss promised him a real shot at being the quarterback. He played quarterback for most of the games last year, performed as a runner, not so much as a passer. Granted, he didn't get much of an opportunity. But had he not been a quarterback, their default backup plan was for him to be a slot receiver. So that's how Ole Miss, that last staff, evaluated him. Georgia had him as a safety. That's what I'm most paying attention to. Any other storylines, anything real football-wise, once Ole Miss kicks off, that most intrigues you about this team? No, I mean, I really think we covered everything. Like, what ver- – I mean, I was kind of piggybacking off what I was saying earlier, but just what is Matt Corral's – like, his decision-making and pocket presence improved and all the stuff that goes along with that. But I think we just about covered it. Just totally captivating podcasting here. Well, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Like, everything else, you kind of know what it is. Offensive line, they're pretty good at running back. Like, we hit the passing game. That encompasses receivers and quarterbacks. Like, is the secondary a total disaster? I don't think so, but I guess I don't know. You know, linebacker's going to be good. Can they make field goals? Like, what happens when they – hook two 34 yarders and you're just like are we gonna go for it every single time this year should we just play like that arc like that high school team in arkansas that never punts or kicks field goals like i don't know what you do there i guess there's another storyline for you can they make field goals yeah, well field goal kicking is right now a very sore subject for me as a cowboys fan also um just football in general i shattered my iphone because i threw it down mad about the cowboys it felt normal again to be angry about sports and um the back of my iPhone. My wife thinks I just dropped it sitting in my chair. No, I dropped it by throwing it down. What is your normal for Ole Miss football, Ole Miss fan? I would love to know. When you get mad, how do you handle it? I do not channel my anger when I'm watching my teams well at all. I've told the story when I threw an ottoman across my office after the Cowboys got, who were they playing? The Lions, maybe? I have to throw things when I'm that angry. I've got a chip in my hardwood floor in my den because I threw something, a remote control that I shattered. I do not handle my team's losing well at all. When the Braves lost on the infield fly game, Chase Parham, he laughs at this story all the time, and he always texts me about it whenever the Braves lose in the playoffs. I had a chocolate pie that was given to me as a gift, ate the whole damn thing. If it's not self-sabotage, stuffing my face and hurting myself, it's um, hurting inanimate objects that are sitting around my office or my den, I guess. I really don't get that. Like, I don't have, like, I used to, as a kid, I used to just get really mad and then, like, just, I don't know. I didn't really have, like, a specific method, but now I just don't get it. Like, I don't have any team. I don't, I really don't have a sport team that I'm that emotionally invested in 
that really just makes me mad. I just go apathetic very quickly. Like, eh, who cares? This is a waste of time. Good for you. Ole Miss fans probably can relate with me better than they can with Rippy. Hopefully, you won't throw something when you listen to David Johnson in this recruit check coming up here on the Modern Woman phone line. Before we get to David, bye, Rippy. Thanks, man. We'll do it again. Sounds good. See you, dude. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Brian Scott Rippy at Spirit Ben at BS Rippy. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line for a recruit check with David Johnson. Let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Check that shit out. Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Women phone line. Speak to David Johnson. Works with me at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports for a recruit check. Been a little while. Don't really know what's going on with Ole Miss football recruiting. That's why David comes on this podcast. He shares his knowledge. He gives us a clear-eye view of what's going on. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little better every day. A little stronger every day, and uh, actually feeling pretty good right now. Voice sounds stronger. Yeah, yeah, it's it's getting a little stronger, and that's kind of a, it's kind of a good measurement for uh, how I'm doing. Uh, I, I've discovered that the stronger my voice is, generally the better my body feels. Well, there you go. Slowly but surely, we're getting David back, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited. Are you excited about almost football recruiting? No, no. You know, Ben, when you when you look at everything, I, I don't care what anybody says. We're recording this in the middle of September. The plan was not to be the 13th ranked recruiting class in the SEC and the 60th ranked class in America. Um, it has been a tough go for this staff 
in terms of recruiting. And, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting run to the finish line. And, and nobody knows what that's going to look like. And we can't sit here and claim to know what it's going to look like. I can tell you this. They think they can save themselves by winning games this fall. And they're probably right. But, Ben, there are no guarantees. You're playing a 10-game SEC-only schedule where everybody can beat you every single weekend. And unfortunately, the depth around the Ole Miss program right now is not to a point where you can beat everybody every single weekend. So a precarious fall ahead for the Rebels. And I go back to the fact it's going to be interesting. How is this all going to play out? We think the visit moratorium is going to be lifted October 1st, but we don't know that for sure right now. But it certainly needs to be because they need to get some of these kids on campus. Better than half our recruiting class has never been on the Ole Miss campus. And that cannot give you the warm and fuzzy feelings about whether or not these guys are going to stick to this class or not. I wrote a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and this still holds true in my opinion, that if you don't win games this fall and you don't get these kids to campus, the TCUs of the world are going to come in and pluck your recruiting class. So this is a vital season for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. It's not a throwaway season because of recruiting. They have to win. They have to show that the tide is turning here in Oxford. And if they don't do that this fall, it's going to be a tough recruiting cycle again. And you get enough of these tough recruiting cycles under your belt, and it's a hole that's difficult to dig out of. Before we get too deep off into it, because i got a couple of questions about that doomsday scenario, what's the deal with Leonard Manuel? You know, Ben, I I can't answer that right now. You know, it's it's kind of been like uh, spying on the KGB to try to to, uh, get information on this football team. I mean, he That's committed to Ole Miss, right? Answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a situation like that, you would su- assume, presume it's academic related. But I can't tell you that 100% right now. So much mystery, so much intrigue in regards to Ole Miss recruiting and even guys that have committed and signed and you expected to be on campus. That's strange. I don't know if we're going to get an update on Leonard Manuel. Is that something we can ask Lane Kiffin? Yeah. That's one that's got to be answered because Leonard Manuel, I don't know if he can necessarily help this year, but he's got talent. And that's a guy. Yeah, and, and to clarify things, we have him as a, a no commit right now on 24 7. So if you're expecting Leonard Manuel to show up, I don't think that's going to happen at this point. What's the best case scenario for Ole Miss recruiting in 2021? Yeah, great question. I mean, best case scenario. I always like to say the sky's the limit. Uh, they go out there and win five, six games this fall. They're able to get these kids on campus, and there's a, a tangible there's tangible evidence that the program has turned itself around. Then I think this this class could rally at the end. It definitely could. Um, I don't think they're going to rally inside the state of Mississippi. I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. But, you know, they're hunting the fertile grounds of Florida and Texas, places like that, that maybe if they if they show a little bit of giddy-up this fall, they'll be able to help themselves. But, you know, the one thing 
we're not talking about on the recruiting front right now is what's going on in the world of these social justice issues. Ole Miss is, I don't have to tell anybody this, everybody knows this, Ole Miss is and always has been a lightning rod for such things. And that can't be good for recruiting. Then you have the whole, you know, just other things that kind of fester a little bit and kind of pick at the scab, like an A.J. Brown on Twitter. Don't think for a second these kids aren't following a guy like A.J. Brown. Bust on to the NFL scene as a rookie success. Tennessee's best wide receiver. I mean, it's got all pros stamped all over him. And A.J.'s tweet was not helpful to Ole Miss's recruiting efforts. And we don't talk about things like that, but they're very much in the arena, Ben. This all sounds really bad. Well, I mean, it can change. It can certainly change. But right now, again, I go back to what I said to start off our conversation. If you think being number 60 in the nation and 13th in the SEC right now in the middle of September was the plan, you're sadly mistaken. Now, there have been all kind of external issues. First-year staff, the whole COVID-19 thing. So, I mean, I'm not indicting anyone or placing blame on anyone for this. It's been weird out there. It's weird covering this stuff. I can't imagine how, how weird it is trying to recruit kids to your campus virtually by online dating. I mean, this is kind of what it is. It's eHarmony recruiting. It's a, it, it's virtual. It's a Zoom conference here. Text every day. Maybe you get him on the phone. But that's what recruiting has been reduced to under these weird, weird circumstances that we're operating in. So what we're talking about here, that's not an indictment on Lane Kiffin's staff and the job they're doing in the recruiting world. Not at all. It's just the times we live in. And then I, I hear people say, well, Arkansas has got a first-year coach, and they're 22nd in the nation. I can't explain that. I just cannot I, – I, I can't explain it. But I do know Lane and his staff, are they're in a difficult spot. They're in a very difficult spot. I don't think they're doing anything any differently than they've ever done, things that got Chris Partridge named National Recruiter of the Year before. He's still the same guy using the same tactics. It's just a weird time we're living in. I am not an excuse maker. You know that. I think everyone that listens to this podcast knows that. As far as Arkansas recruiting, they do have a built-in base of Arkansas. Those kids go to Arkansas. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they do. But you know what? Per capita, the high school football talent in the state of Arkansas is amongst you know it's at the bottom of the SEC. Yeah. Arkansas doesn't produce that many SEC caliber football players on an annual basis. Now, generally, you are correct. And I think you were pointing out they, they generally get what they want inside the state of Arkansas. Yeah, meanwhile, Ole Miss, we all know what recruiting in Mississippi is like. They don't have that kind of built-in yeah. advantage. Neither does Mississippi State, yeah, for that it, matter. Mississippi State's doing better than Ole Miss. So. Yeah, they, they, they are at this point. And, um, you know, again – Ole Miss has one commitment from inside the state of Mississippi. It's Elijah Sabatini from Biloxi, and he's a number 15-ranked player in the entire state. What about the 14 in front of him? Better than half of them are already committed to other schools. 
So it's a, this, is, this is a difficult time to figure out. We're not at the point where we can start discussing what our crystal balls are and, and how we feel this class is going to end because we've never been through a recruiting cycle like this. And neither have the coaches. And, and again, you know, I want to underscore this is not criticism of them. We're just talking numbers here, science. That's what it is. Over under and three and a half kids from Mississippi. I think you said it right at where I would. Um, I'll go. I'll go over. Simply because uh, you know there are going to be some kids Ole Miss gets in on late that they haven't decided they needed yet inside the state of Mississippi. That's got and, Antonio uh, Harmon sounding all over it. Well, maybe it does, but he's you know while Ole Miss has pressed the pause button a little bit because they want to see a little more. On the field action from Harmon, as I understand it, he's still getting love letters from a whole lot of schools, including one over in Georgia where Matt Luke is. Yeesh. And, of course, in-state Mississippi State as well. So what's the update with MJ Daniels? You know, if you, if you want to look at the tea leaves right now, there's a little bit of momentum out there that he may end up at Mississippi State. Now, he's been totally upfront and honest with his coaching staff. He was upfront and honest with them when he decided to decommit and open his recruitment back up. He told them beforehand what he was going to do. Thought he may have committed a little too early. And under these uncertain circumstances all across the country, who could blame the kid? I mean, it's just, it's just weird out there. And, and, and I know that's a broad way to explain it, but we haven't had a recruit on campus outside of Maddox Cop, the quarterback who committed to Houston since March, early March. And Cop went to Houston, so who's the quarterback? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I know there's some hope out there that maybe they could flip Luke Altmeyer, who is committed to Florida State, but I, I don't have a lot of confidence in that happening. I can't answer that either right now. Man, what a downer. Yeah, and, and I mean, we're just, you know, hey, it's 2020. It's been a tough year all the way around. 2020 has been a downer and, from the uh, year. And, and, and 2020 is not the uh, not the year where you try to polish turds. I mean, I mean, you just got to <laughs> call it the way it is in 2020. I mean, I, I don't mean to, to sound uh, rogue, but, uh, you know, it, it's been a difficult year. And we've still got a season to play. And we don't nuts. know how that's going to work out. Mm. Memphis and Houston have canceled their game for this Saturday because of COVID. You know, this is going to be the most herky-jerky thing we've ever been through. And I hope, I pray that, that everything goes off without a hitch and the athletic department only loses 12 to $15 million, as Keith Carter projects, if everything goes off without a hitch. You know, if, if they have to ban fans from attending, they're going to lose $30 million. If, if for some unforeseen reason right now, and I don't think this is going to happen, the, whole, the plug was pulled on the entire season, $60 million loss for the athletic department. Hey. All right, if it's not MJ I mean, Daniels, if it's not Luke Altmeyer, if it's not Antonio Harmon, who is it in Mississippi? Who are the targets? Well, I mean, you hope that you can flip some guys. You know, when you talk about uh, you, know, you talk about Antonio Harmon, there are a lot of other good receivers 
and athletes in this 2020 Mississippi class. I mean, at one point we were we were calling it the year of the receiver in Mississippi, and I think that that still holds true. Uh, you look at Isaiah Brevard up at South Haven. I mean, that's a guy that uh, yeah, Oregon. You know, got to be on. Yeah, committed to Oregon, and you got to wonder if the Mississippi kid is ultimately ready to move across country and play at Oregon. Ole Miss still recruiting him, so. You know, there's a there's a possibility there that maybe Ole Miss can win some games and he has a change of heart. You know, we, we can talk all day about Antonio Harmon, who I think is the best prospect in the state of Mississippi's 2021 class. The 247 has him ranked as the number eight recruit in Mississippi. I think that's way low. He's number four on the composite. But I've had the kid in camps three or four different times. I've seen him work and I've seen him work alongside these other receivers in the state of Mississippi. And to me, Harmon's the best. Now there seems to be some question marks out there of, well, can he run? Is he a receiver or is he a safety? I can tell you, Antonio's told me he doesn't care which side of the ball he plays on. And he's a very mature kid. He's not going to be one that's on social media asking where his love is from this school or that school. Uh, he's, he's just a ball player. But he's got the mental makeup that he's going to be one heck of a college football player because he's a, he's a workhorse. He's going he's going to work hard. He works hard already. Uh, helps his dad lay floor tile after football practice. Uh, you know, kind of kid with a great work ethic. He's got he's six foot four, 205 pounds, Ben. He can play somewhere on the field. And, um, you know, so we'll see how that happens. I don't feel nearly as good about it as I once did. Uh, just because things have kind of slowed down with it. We'll get right back to David Johnson in this recruit check on talk of champions. After I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. 
Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It's hard for me to pinpoint who the top targets are because I pull up the two, four, seven top targets for Ole Miss, and you got Amarius Mims, status cool, Mason Smith, status cool, Jaquincy McKinstry, cool, Sage Ryan. Yeah, Ben, cool. you 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 can't know who the top targets are when you know target is a loosely used word. Top target, that phrase. Um, but man, things have never been this fluid before. If you've only talked to a kid over the computer via text message and the telephone, seriously, what kind of confidence level, if you haven't looked him in the eye, face-to-face, had him on your campus, been able to watch his body language, see his reaction, what kind of confidence do you have that, that his commitment's going to stick or that you're going to get a commitment from a kid? I mean, it's again, I go back to the eHarmony comparison. It's like online dating. And, and, and you know, that was before my time. But back uh, when, I, when I was a romantic, there, there was no Internet. I've been married a long time. But I can imagine that's a totally different world than face-to-face interaction. And that's what we've got right now. And, again, I want to underscore. This staff has got a lot of capable recruiters on it. Heck, they're all capable recruiters. I mean, Blake Gideon, Chris Partridge, DJ Durkin, Terrell Buckley, Deke Adams, Derek Nix, we all know what he can do, and Lane Kiffin himself. There, there's the possibility that they're going to put this thing together and it's going to finish real nice. But I'm, I'm under 50% on that happening right now, just because of the fluidity of everything and the battles that they have to face that are unique to the school. Well, I think that's what I keep coming back to. It looks like there's a lack of direction from the outside looking in because we don't know. We don't know. So when you see this kind of scattershot approach, at least online from the bits of information that we have, that's what it looks like. Not necessarily saying that that's the case, but that's just what it looks like on the surface. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think it's the case at all. I think they 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 have a plan, and I think they're adjusting it accordingly, um, and they're going to do all they can. But again, I think it comes down to a lot of it's going to come down to product on the field. This is a program that has struggled lately. We all know that. This is a program that has had what. Three head coaches, four offensive coordinators, uh, three defensive coordinators over the last four seasons. So they, they need to show a turning of the tide, and there needs to be some stability within the program. Could there that possibly helps. be that some one. promise, though, with a guy like Taiwan Malone, defensive tackle on New Jersey? That's a position of need. And look, I look at status, it says warm. Yeah, well, look, if Taiwan Malone – was from Skunkdale, Mississippi, <laughs> or even Skunkdale, Alabama, 
I'd have a lot more confidence in that. Um, but he's from New Jersey. And, um, you know, geography still matters a little bit in recruiting. Not as much as it used to. A lot of those state lines have been knocked down because mom, dad, uncle, auntie, they can watch you every week on television. Everybody's on TV every weekend now. If not, there's a live internet stream, ESPN3 or whatever. So, um, so that makes the world a little smaller when it comes to recruiting. But again, the kid's from New Jersey. So, you know, that's what I would say about that. My confidence level is never going to be high on a kid from New Jersey coming to Ole Miss, particularly during the era we're living in, where he has never stepped foot on this campus. And I'll be honest with you, if I were a coach, I'm not sure I'd want a kid committed to me who's never stepped foot on this campus. But again, that's the world we're living in right now. That's not Lane's fault or any of his coaches' fault. That's just where we're at in this wacky, wacky year. Hopefully, this is the only time we'll have to go through it. Going to have to just do that at some point. Rod Orr, he's from Gaston, Alabama. Markevious Brown, he's from Bradenton, Florida. Are we getting closer geographically to getting a commitment? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, mean, getting closer geographically, yeah. But, uh, you know, I I go back to what I said about at the end of the day, so to speak. If, um, you know, if if you're not winning games on the football field this fall, I think it's going to be a difficult endeavor to hold on to some of those kids you've got from a state away or three states away who've never been here to see this beautiful place or have never sat in the office with Lane. You know, that's, that's just a tough nut to chew on. It truly is. Looks like Ty Cooper is the closest in-state prospect to potentially popping for Ole Miss if, if we're trying to find somebody in-state. Yeah, if you're trying to find somebody, Cooper's listening. He's got his ear to the ground. But at the same time, you know, Ty Cooper is from Louisville, Mississippi, which uh, Ole Miss has had yeah. some success there. Not too kind. And again, Ty hasn't been able to be on campus. And he, he was up here in February. I saw him. Great kid. I enjoy talking to him. But, um, you know, you've got to beat your backyard neighbor for that one. That's what it's going to come down to. And then there's a school of thought out there on Ty Cooper. I know he's told other coaches this that he wants to leave the state of Mississippi. So, you know, I I don't think it's necessarily going to come down to Mississippi State and or Ole Miss. Not saying it won't, but, you know, I don't think it's guaranteed. Well, this seems like a fruitless exercise, but I'll do it anyway. So, David, the next commitment for Ole Miss will be? (laughs) I knew we were going there. Uh, I don't know. Listen, keep an eye I think the big offensive lineman, Armand Bethia, uh, big offensive lineman. I think he's got a pretty good relationship with Randy Clements, so line coach at Ole Miss. Uh, that's who I'll go with right now, Ben. You know, but again, timeline on when, and really and truly whether or not it is Ole Miss, man, we're guessing right now. And the coaches are guessing too. I mean, I know there are going to be people on the board going, man, I, I you know, I'm subscribing for recruiting information. 
listen, if you were talking to Lane Kiffin himself, I don't think he could give you much more <laughs> at this point. I mean, I mean, no, that's not, that's not, I'm not being sarcastic. I, don't know. I mean, I, that, that's just the truth. That is just the truth. And and again, the state of Mississippi, look, man, you know, they're, they're, they're still going after Deion Smith. He's committed to LSU, been committed to LSU for a while, formerly committed to Mississippi State. He's the number one prospect in the state according to 247 Sports and the Composite. Committed to LSU. Number two player in the state, Isaiah Brevard. Committed to Oregon. Number three player, the quarterback, Luke Altmaier. Committed to Florida State. Harmon's uncommitted. Kadarius Callaway, an athlete out of Philadelphia High School. Committed to Alabama. MJ Daniels, we talked about him, number six player in the state. Uh, former Ole Miss commit. They may can get him back, but watch out for Mississippi State. They're trying to come through the back door. Ty Keyes, number seven player, quarterback out of Taylorsville, committed to Tulane. Brandon Buckhalter, former Ole Miss commit, is the number eight player in Mississippi, committed to Mississippi State. Ty Keyes is one you can circle back to, but I don't think they really like Ty Keyes. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's a situation that they want to circle back to. But they'd like to have Deion Smith, Isaiah Brevard, Luke Altmaier, Antonio Harmon, MJ Daniels, Brandon Buckhalter. Those guys are all on the want list. Again, Ooh. Ole Miss has one commitment in the state of Mississippi. Mm-mm-mm. Just comparing. Let's see what Mississippi State's got. I'm looking at it now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven in-state commitments from Mississippi State. One for Ole Miss. That has to change. I don't care what your philosophy is, how how hard you're going to recruit Florida and Texas and Georgia or wherever, New Jersey. You cannot have just one commitment from inside the state of Mississippi at the University of Mississippi. It has to be your base. It has to be it your has foundational to. state. Everything else is supplemental to that. Not to say that you have to fill your class with 15 in-state guys, but you need to have a core group of eight, and then you supplement the rest of the recruiting class with well, your strong ties to Florida, you know, it, Georgia, or wherever. It's home maintenance. I mean, you mow your front yard before you go off and start bush hogging yeah. the pasture. Yeah. And um, one commitment in Mississippi, that, that blows my mind. And I know it's a – look, again, I know it's a weird time. We're just talking about the situation here. We're not criticizing the staff because this is strange. It's, it's Man, everything's strange with college football right everything now. Everything is strange. Last question. Yep. The Shoot. one position – that they have to hit on, in my opinion, is defensive tackle. In your opinion, is that the same defensive tackle, or does it go somewhere else? Without a doubt. And, you know, one element I think, you know, we've neglected to talk about today is junior college recruiting and the transfer portal. Because you don't have time in the SEC to allow true freshman defensive tackles to grow up. Not without suffering – and being inflicted upon some serious pain. Because those offensive linemen in the SEC are all big old strong boys who will push your butt around. And you don't have time to go, oh, man, he's a two-, three-year guy to develop, but he's going to be good one of these days. (laughs) You don't have that. So I would expect them to really, really examine that transfer portal extremely hard come December. And and, and the transfer portal is going to be wild too, man. You're going to have seniors this season in programs that, remember, have been granted another year of eligibility that, you know, they can play next year too. So 
Some of those guys are going to be uh, put out to pasture, so to speak. Hey, we're going with a younger guy. Uh, probably be best if you just went on. See, that's something you're that doesn't get factored into recruiting rankings and stuff. But if you did that, Ole Miss did better in the 2020 class. Again, not making excuses, but Otis Reese, right. Dean Leonard, yes. Tavius Robinson, those guys matter. I wonder if then 247 rivals, whoever ranks recruits, if they'll start factoring that in when they start doing recruiting rankings because that's going to become uh, the we, norm. We should. Yeah, we should because that's going to yeah. become the norm. It is going to become the norm. These kids, look, man. I mean, they're here today, gone tomorrow. That's just the way it is in this era. It's uh, This is the me generation of college football. Okay? Well, you know, sticking around and and, and, and doing your duty and, and, and winning one for old tech, that, that's gone. That era's over with. If a kid signs with a school out of high school and he don't feel real good about it three games into his freshman season, the joker's gone. And again, keep your eye on what happens with a lot of seniors because you've got another recruiting class coming in and all of a sudden the NCAA goes, well, all your seniors can come back and have another year. Matter of fact, your juniors are going to stay juniors. Your sophomores are going to stay sophomores and your freshmen are going to stay freshmen for one more year. No matter how many games they play in this year, it's going to create some uncomfortability from a depth standpoint for players. You know, a guy who may have been – number two for three years in the program and has been waiting his time, all of a sudden the guy in front of him is not leaving. He's coming back. Look Senior at Ole Miss's roster right now, for example. If Otis Reese and Dean Leonard, just those two guys, were eligible, not to say that Ole Miss defensively would take this jump up to being one of the best units in the conference. No, not at all. Ole Miss right now defensively is in a pretty bad place, but having those guys, one of which Otis Reese was described by Lane Kiffin as one of our best, very best players, without that would be a starter for us, that yeah, helps yeah. you. That, that I mean, that inevitably helps you. Oh yeah, w- without question, it definitely does. But you see, you see what I'm driving at here. I mean, it's going to create yeah. roster juggling, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some guys are are are, are going to have to wait another year to get on the field, and some guys are are, are going to be pushed off the field, and that transfer portal is going to be wild. It, I mean, it is going to be wild, extremely wild. So, you know, all we can do is wait and see at this juncture, which I guess is the best way to describe this <clears throat> conversation that we've had this morning. Yay. Because we're, <laughs> we're in wait and see mode. Yay. He's David Johnson. Works with me at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports, at Rebels247 on Twitter. We tried. We did our best for a recruit check. Don't know what we learned, but we tried. Thanks, buddy. Well, I, I tell you what, I think we laid it out exactly how it is right now. Without pulling any punches, I think we laid it out. Well, thank you for your efforts. I appreciate you. We'll do it again. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.